The Last Word with Matt Cooper. It is time for the last word on music. D Ready is with us as always, and Dave Hanrity, host of the No Encore podcast. Uh, not where we wanted to be starting, but the very sad news came in uh, just as we were coming to air that the legendary Aslan singer Christy Dignam passed away today uh, following his long battle with cancer at the age of 63. He'd been receiving palliative care at home since December. His daughter Kira announced it on social media earlier this afternoon, saying, Let's us. Let's us all hold him in our hearts and cherish the remarkable life of a talented singer, great storyteller and amazing person. I think, Dee, when everybody heard this news, just an yeah. overwhelming sense of sadness. Uh, such a fighter, uh, such a brilliant singer and somebody with just a remarkable impact on Irish music over, what, four decades? Yeah, and I think more than just his impact on, 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 on music, like he had an enormous impact on Irish life. And I think he, you know, we were talking about it off air there, you know, had they really managed to cut through beyond Ireland internationally and it, it seemed like Emer McLeish I think said it best she like you know they're the band that could have been you too and they weren't and I think you know there's all these moments in their career together though that show that that, that almost suggests that they were quite happy with that that they were quite happy to be who they were for the benefit of their Irish fans um, and the people that, that knew them best and loved them best like the fact that they got back together um, in 1993 for a gig in Fing like that's not the that's not normally what you hear of a band that has gone on to have the career that they have um, is normally doing and it's 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 ju- he's just a remarkable he was a remarkable man and he was so giving of his experiences um the the light and the shade of his life and it really didn't shirk away from talking about his addiction um and and doing so in a way I think that had really meaningful impact for for people from um, kind of social groups that would have been suffering from similar things. Dave, they were very much an Irish band for an Irish audience and their breakthrough from Fingless and the stories that they told and the stories that Christy told about his addiction problems during the 80s were probably a story not many people were telling at the time. He was always extremely candid. I mean, I think in every interview he's done, especially over the last 10 years, and it was 10 years ago when he was diagnosed. I mean, this news is obviously very, very sad, but, you know, there's an unfortunate inevitability to it. But nonetheless, when you read the news today, you are, like, I was literally stopped in my tracks. I mean, you just kind of thought he'd always be there. Uh, Even the age of 63, it's it's no age. You kind of feel like he's been around in the Irish fabric for forever, really. I mean, respect is a word that you would put towards him. And yeah, as you say, just the way he always spoke so openly and so with such empathy, um, he always referred to himself in that kind of self-deprecating way, but also was a, a very important figurehead for people who with their own struggles, and those struggles affected the band massively, and you can you could argue that, you know, without them, perhaps they would have been a more global act, but it's more about what they managed to create with those, like, in spite, I suppose, of those problems, and there was a turmoil period where Christy was kicked out of the band, was replaced by somebody, and I recall an interview that he gave with Hot Press a while ago, and uh, to, to put it mildly, he was very frank about how his replacement w- was not up to scratch, <laughs> essentially. And to be fair, like, I mean, it's correct, and he knew. He knew that the Aslan wasn't Aslan without him, and like how, I think it's really sad, especially that they didn't get the farewell. You know, there was these gigs lined up for 40 years of the mm-hmm. band that was supposed to be the celebratory thing that had to be postponed. He was always active. You know, he was still giving interviews, still doing things with his time, a very charitable fellow. And you see even like what people in the Irish music industry are saying today about how helpful he was to them behind the scenes and stuff that we actually don't see. 
I don't really think you're going to find many bad words for the guy. It's it's a really, really sad day, but it does give you the chance to celebrate everything that he did get to do. Uh, there's very few people, D, who haven't seen Aslan at yeah. some stage. Christy Dignam himself said, we've done GEA clubs in every corner of the country, every little village, every little town. I think people appreciate the fact you go down to Balahadreen or Ballybunion or Connemara or Donegal. And that was it for the first probably 20 years of their career. It wasn't so much a critical acclaim. It was actually, they were your entertainment on a Saturday, Sunday night in your town. Yeah, and they would, they, they, that's it. You know, they would, and to go back to Dave's point about them being an Irish band for Irish people, like they were just tapped in to uh, like an Irish sense of community around music in a way that I think so few other artists have managed to capture. And like, even with their own struggles as a band, you know, people will often say that infighting in a band, it's like, you know, it's like a family. Um, and the fact that while he spoke out forcefully about having been kicked out of the band, um, he then came back and said that he re- regretted having said some of the things that he said, you know, and that that in itself, in, in the history of rock and roll, for someone to be forgiving and empathetic like that is is quite unusual. And they didn't stop playing small gigs for the sake of their fans throughout their career. And I think that's something that's really lovely. The 40 gigs uh, for 40 years was was meant to be doing that, you know. Uh, let's hear a little bit of Aslan. So this is from their album in 1999, Made in Dublin, which was recorded live at Vicker Street. And we mentioned the brilliance of this cover version earlier on. This is Pink Floyd uh, originally, and this is Aslan with Wish You Were Here. Aslan, their version of Wish You Were Here. Uh, Dave, I don't want to get into comparing uh, versions of Wish You Were Here, but I would listen to that one till the end of time. It hits deep today. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And again, obviously takes on a new, a, a different resonance now, as it, as it has to. And I think as well, I mean, to kind of go back to some of the words we're using, like respect, I, mean, I think dignity obviously is one that you would absolutely associate with Christy Dignam because uh, just so outspoken about his situation over the last 10 years, again, you know, I think of words like candid, I think of words like empathy. Few people had it like he did. I mean, like, you know, legend icon, these are words that get overused, especially in moments like this, but they do apply. I think he was a genuine poet, a national treasure, and deserves his flowers. Did that album change people's perspective on Aslan? Yeah, I think it did. Um, I think it, it it kind of elevated them from the Saturday Night Entertainment, mm. as you were saying earlier, to, you know, a, a band that could potentially be a force to be reckoned with in terms of Irish music history. And I think they've they've really made that happen. 
Uh, very, very sad news. Uh, Christy Dignam passing away today. Uh, we do want to talk about some of the other stories of the week. And listen, maybe in some ways connected as to how bands treat people and dignity and all of that. Um, a story that appeared online during the week about a musician with Primal Scream and... Uh, Martin Duffy, who was a keyboard player with Primal Scream, his teenage son wrote a post online basically outlining how his father had been treated by the band uh, in recent years and over the last few decades. And I think it was really opened a, a can of worms, D, I think, in terms of how oh, yeah. bands, yeah. Uh, I guess, divvy up their money, how they respect their fellow band members and the whole life of a session musician. Yeah, it's it. I like it. It's an absolutely devastating um, um, statement. And it was actually, it, he he. He posted it online, but it was actually the statement that he gave at an inquest um, last week in Brighton into his father's death. Um, and in it, he alleged that his his dad essentially lost hope when he was told that he wouldn't be able to ba- join the band on stage um, in kind of upcoming performances after a 30-year history together. And that 10 years in a matter of weeks, that he basically lost 10 years in a matter of weeks and he just wasn't able to cope anymore. Um, it's a long read but I would urge anybody um, who's interested in the story or even just in, in in as you say Nathan that kind of deeper issue of how people who aren't necessarily the songwriter or the 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 front person of a band are perhaps sidelined um, and it's not necessarily just by their bandmates they're actually often si- sidelined by the industry as a whole or or how the kind of legal or copyright um, situations are set up just just not to necessarily respect somebody who's a good musician as a session musician or a you know a, a, a touring musician mm. but and maybe doesn't necessarily have the songwriting chops but they they, they contribute extraordinarily to to a band Primal Scream and Bobby Gillespie come out of this terribly, both personally and on the business side and how they run a band, because Duffy was a full-on member of Primal Scream. It wasn't as if he rocked up twice a year when they were stuck. He was there week in, week out, and slowly but surely deals were been done in the background regarding royalties, regarding rights. And maybe he didn't have the proper representation, even though he had the same manager, I think, as other members of the band, and he was forgotten about, and suddenly two members of the band were getting all the cash. That is the picture that is painted here, and it should be said at the outset, the Primal Scream haven't commented officially on this one, but friends of the band have said there are two sides to every story. Is you know That is, of course, the case, and this is a very emotional one, and I will say at the outset as well that this post by Louis Duffy, uh, which I read a few days ago, um, like, I, don't, I don't have a massive personal investment in Primal Scream, but I found myself moved to tears by this. It's extremely complex and harrowing, and if we take it at face value, if we think that all this accurate, it would appear that Martin Duffy was ex- extremely relegated in his duties with the band and yeah, as you say, like he was on the big hits he's on the big albums and he should have you know, arguably have been entitled to some shares of a £5 million royalty deal that was done recently with some of the band's back catalogue but it is alleged that Bobby Gillespie and Andrew Innes of Primal Scream effectively cut some deals in the background to cut him out and then reduced his role in the band to that of a live session musician uh, Martin Duffy, uh, especially with kind of the complexities and the kind of issues that came with the pandemic as well, found himself with alcohol dependency. And as that went on, it looked like there was no light at the end of the tunnel for him. He died from a fall in his home. Uh, you know, no one is outright saying that this is definitely what led to this, but that is kind of the insinuation that his livelihood was taken away from him. And the mm. picture that's painted of him by his son, Louis, and again, to come back to those words like dignity and empathy, I was so amazed by how he was able to construct this and put this very long thing together and to do it so delicately and, and beautifully. You know, And he must be heartbroken. They clearly had a very close relationship. He painted a picture of his father as someone who was very vibrant, 
very outgoing, didn't live beyond his means, was just like happy being a musician, paying his bills that way. And his livelihood was threatened, his world fell away. And apparently, again, if this if what is alleged is true, the band effectively closed the door on him and showed him, quote-unquote, tough love, um, which obviously did not work out and led to a genuinely harrowing situation. Uh some other big news, and I don't know if this is the best news of the week or the worst news mm. of the week, D. Paul McCartney has confirmed there's a new Beatles track on the way, but with thanks to AI. Uh, yeah, it's a tough one, Nathan, because I think, you know, the the Beatles fan and all of us goes, yay, new new Beatles music. And then maybe the, the people that are paying attention to the music industries, um, and namely musicians, issues around AI at the moment are a little bit less heartened by the news. I mean, from basically, it, it is a Beatles track um, that... And this is where I find it kind of difficult to get too excited about. Um, it, it, it's it's a song. Um, it, it's um, it's alleged that it might be the 1978 Lennon composition called Now and Then, right? And this this demo was one of several songs on cassettes labelled for Paul that Lennon made shortly before his death in 1980, and they were later given to him by Yoko Ono. Um, and. Uh, uh, the, the, McCartney had worked on this with the other Beatles many, many years ago, and it was felt that this song, um, that uh, John Lennon's vocals weren't strong enough on it, that there wasn't enough meat to actually turn this into a credible release. Um, and George very, very strongly didn't didn't want it to be released as a song, and so it wasn't. Um, and now with AI, they've been able to kind of patch things together a little bit more, and it's thought that this might be the song that's been released. I mean, yes, Beatles fan absolutely would love to. And this actually, it's a weird thing, right? Because I think it's the most human thing in the world, right? Whether it's a friend or a musician or an artist that you love, to want to hear somebody speak to you from beyond the grave. But in a weird way, I think that almost robs the deceased of their humanity. Well, we don't need to hear any more from but, John but, Lennon from beyond but the John grave. Lennon have had, it all out yeah, there. But, but, neither, but John Lennon and, and George and Ringo, like they don't have any way to, to meet, like it, not even meaningfully, they don't have any way to impact what this release is. And I just think if you, if you, if you allow this to happen, then what happens next? Do we have Amy Winehouse? Um, you know, and it's just, it's an extraordinary thing because I think the way artists' estates are set up, they were, they, the legalities of that were set up long before anyone even conceived that something like AI could come along and could, could release, you know, that we could release things like this. And I just, it makes me so nervous. At the same time, Dave, anyone who watched yeah. Get Back and could see the way McCartney could make genius out of the most mundane things, you come out of that thinking, oh, I would take any new Beatles material. But at the same time, like, is this but it's is this fifty percent completed? See, or is it is it ninety eight percent completed and around the final two percent? I'm happy to put myself in the firing line here as someone who doesn't worship the Beatles. I know that that's taboo. I know you can you can turn off the mic. I get it. But like, I'll, I'll just <laughs> say that I'm like you know this is fine for me. But I will say as well as someone who actually is really against AI in music and like what is being done with it. Like I don't think if any three of us right now were to write a song and like in the form of Kanye West, we're not songwriters necessarily. Authenticity right. is so important. But in this situation, I do. think think there's actually some merit in it because you're taking an existing demo that wasn't up to scratch and if they can use technology now to actually kind of quote unquote save the vocal. And
and it's not there's not that much more done to it. If it is authentic, it's coming from like his best mate. You know, it's not just some guy in a bedroom. There's something here that could work, but it has to have a massive asterisk next to it, as does all AI music and posthumous music in general. I'm a bit shaky on, but you know, as a non-Beatles worshipper, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. Let's very quickly get to your picks of the week, Dave. What are you going with? Sigaros uh, are back, the amazing Icelandic post-rock cinematic band. They've got a 10-minute song called Bloodberg. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, it's really heavy and heavenly in that Sigaros way. There's talk of a new album possibly arriving on Friday, and if it does, it'll sound a bit like this. montage makers of the world rejoice <laughs> there's your world cup montage start slowly but we'll get there by the end D, what are you going with something very very different indeed it is Janelle Monáe's um, new album The Age of Pleasure perfect summer soundtrack um, and a quite a different departure for her based on her previous stuff um, it, this track that I've chosen for you is called Only Have Eyes 42 let's hear it quickly I like to love with my eyes closed I try not to lead with my ego Everything happened in slow-mo But we all smile Got there a bit quicker than Dave's pick at least <laughs> We gotta leave it there uh, Dean and Dave, thank you as always for the last word on music and we gotta leave it there for the last word this evening as well My thanks once again to the entire Last Word team for all their help with putting the show together Stephen Daly is up next We'll talk to you soon, good luck The Last Word with Matt Cooper Weekdays from 4.30 Today FM